Good morning. How are we doing today? You know, as worship was happening there, um, I was just thinking cultural differences, I guess I was thinking a little bit, but you know, I, I, I don't know timing-wise, but on a day like today, all around the world, you've got everything from this band here, you've got little tribes in India with their drums and their plain voices, You've got Catholic churches with their organs and their hymns. You've got flashy churches with the lights and the smoke machines and the big band and the darkness and, and just the diversity of that all around the world. And God is delighted with all of it. You know, as we worship, as we sing, it doesn't matter whether we're singing in tune and with wonderful harmonies or whether you're the most tone-deaf singer in the world. God hears what comes out of your mouth and it brings him delight. And I, I just, I was struck by that this morning. I think that's awesome. So... Um, so good morning, um, and especially good morning to people that are watching from home. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for coming and, and visiting us for visitors today. Um, you know, we're in this series. I am loving it, so I hope you are too. <laughs> this is really fun for me. It's the, the fun of being the preacher is you get to talk about the things that you like, um, which is really fun. So this series, we're looking at the prayers of Paul, and just again, to hold it before us, the reminder of why we're doing this. Paul has this unique revelation from God about what the church is supposed to be like. So as we look at his prayers, we're getting this glimpse into his heart, and, and we get to see something of what God is calling us as the church to become. And then also, as we're looking at his prayers, we get to look at the things that he prays and say, how do we pray for the church? So how do we pray for ourselves? How do we pray for this church right here? How do we pray for what God is doing in this city? And so each of these prayers is trying to form our, our view of the church and our view of how to pray for the church. Um, this morning, we're looking at Paul's prayer to the church at Colossae. Um, and this is an interesting church, a bit like the Roman church. This is a church that Paul didn't plant and he hasn't ever visited. Um, so he's heard about this church and he's writing to them. Um, he's writing this letter from prison. Um, so this letter is written alongside, we know for sure Colossians, and or sure is a strong word. Uh, the scholarly consensus is, is uh, it was written with uh, Ephesians and Philemon and possibly also Philippians. Um, so you'll see overlap between those, especially between Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. You see the overlap in the content because he's writing about the same time from the same prison and they're being delivered probably by the same people. Um, so there's a lot of overlap. So he's in jail, most likely in Rome, and he's writing this letter to a church he's never visited that he didn't plant, but he's hearing some things about. Um, and, and so let's look at what it is that he says to these people. And if I was going to summarize what this prayer is, and what he's praying. It's a prayer that we would bring God delight. So, so let's look at what he says in Colossians 1. We'll start in 3 and we'll go through 14. Paul's prayer to the Colossian church. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who has also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason... Since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. 
We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that this Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Man, I love when I think about this in their context. You can read these in the Bible and it's like yada, yada, yada. They're cool. Um, But when you read them in their context and then you think about what it means for a church, I find the words so moving. Um, So we're going to look through this prayer. We're going to break it down. There's essentially one request and then one purpose for the request. And then he gives this like breakdown explanation of what it's all about and and how we understand it. So we're going to jump into this. So the first thing, let's look at the request that he makes. And so the first prayer request that we're going to pray for the church is this. Pray that we would know God's will. Plain and simple, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. It's a simple request. I mean, it sounds simple, but a little bit more complicated. Pray that we would know God's will. Um, We read passages like this, and of course, we as humans, and especially humans in the Western part of the world, we individualize. So as soon as you start saying, pray for God's will, it's who does God want me to marry? I don't know why this example comes to mind. What house should we live in? Uh, what ministry should we step into? Um, what should I do? Like, we, we automatically start personalizing and making it about us. And that's permissible. That's all right. We're supposed to discern God's will for us. But this is beyond this. He's writing to the church, praying that as a church, you would know the will of God. Um, And so a couple of things I want to to just put back in our mind, if you remember back to the very first time I I spoke here, um, I used this phrase, individuals and community. So this is a scholar called Julie Gorman, and when I I saw her write this, I just loved it. And and she says, when you come to scripture, you always have to remember, you, you have to engage the content as individuals and community. So we have an individual obligation, so my job to figure out God's will, but then we're in community. So this also applies to us and cannot be fulfilled outside of the community. So we have to corporately be figuring out what God's will is together. And that's important because as soon as we're on our own trying to discern God's will, we take all of our cultural lenses, all of our background and everything, and we just impose it on the Bible. But then when you start bringing other people together, it's like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. Oh, I used to think of it that way. Oh, that's probably wrong. And, and we need one another in this process of discerning God's will. And so this is the prayer, that we would know God's will. How do we do that? So he, here's another thing to think about when it comes to knowing God's will. Knowing God's will is more than knowing the Bible, but it's never less than that. Knowing God's will is more than knowing the Bible, but it's never less than that. And I think what we do in the church is we reduce understanding God's will to how well do I know the Bible. And so we sit in a room and we study the scriptures and we know all this stuff. And then we go out there and we make dumb decisions. 
and, and we fight with one another and we walk in opposition to the will of God. So what does this mean? It means that we will know God's will as we know his word. Yes, we have to study it. We have to steep in it. We have to educate ourselves in it. Doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, developing the habits of sitting in God's word to know what it says and know what it means is hugely important. But it's beyond that because why do we need to know the word of God? Because we wanna know the God that the word of God is talking about. And so to know the will of God, you have to understand the heart of God. And it's easy to read the scriptures and know the scriptures and miss God's heart. Um, so, so how are we going to know the will of God? We have to know the scriptures. We're learning them. We're saturating ourselves in them. We're studying them. It's prayer like we're talking about. It's learning to discern the voice of God. It's learning to hear him, to interact with his heart as it's in scripture. Um, it it's, it's actually involves understanding your own voice. I've been talking a bit about this. But do you understand what your own voice is and when it's working in your life? Because if you're listening to the voice of God and all he ever does is affirm what you're already thinking, you're not listening to God. I see lots of people who whenever they seem to think God's talking, it's just reinforcing the thing they already wanted to do. I'm like, ah, this is not the way I see him working. Most often he's putting reins on me. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he will affirm the things that we want to do. He will uh, affirm our desires and press us into the areas that he's already working. But a large part of the voice of God is learning to see what is the flesh at work and him challenging uh, the, the faulty motives that we're walking in. Um, it involves knowing the church, knowing the church that you're a part of, the community, what God is doing corporately. It means knowing the history of the church. What has God been doing historically through time, not just in this nation, but around the world? So if we want to know the will of God, it's as simple as sitting down and listening to what he wants to say to us. It's as simple as opening the Bible and understanding it, but it's it, it's broader and more complex because it's understanding everything he's done in time, in our community, in your life, and knowing your fallenness. And all of those things come together to help us in the process of discerning God's will. So you can pray this prayer request, pray that the church will know God's will, and it sounds really simple. <laughs> But it's a complex process that takes us a lifetime to walk in and to learn what that looks like. So we want to be a church uh, that knows his will. He gives the purpose of this. So the second prayer request, he's unfolding the purpose of why is it important to know the will of God. So he says, pray that we would walk worthy. Pray that we would walk worthy. I actually, um, in the, the, the NIV translation, it says that we would live a life worthy of the Lord. This concept of walking in our daily relationship with God, that it would be worthy of him. And the second part of the phrase, and please him in every way. So it literally says that we would walk worthy of the Lord in a way that brings him pleasure or a way that makes it pleasing to him. So you could say walk worthy. You could also make this prayer request, pray that we would bring God delight as a church. Um, that we would be people who bring him delight. And, and I wrestle back and forward with, do you go with pray that we would walk worthy? Do you go with pray that we would bring God delight? And here's the deal. Some of you need one and some of you need the other. Because for some of us, it's your brokenness that gets in the way of your relationship with God. And it's things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing that are hindering what God wants. So it's deliberate sin. 
And so for you, the call here is that you would walk worthy of the Lord. And that means stopping things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing in order to walk in a way that's pleasing to God. But when you put it the way and you think, pray that we would bring God delight. For some of us, the, the issue in our relationship with God is we're so beat down by how many times we fail, uh, by how many times people have told us the way we're supposed to live, and, and, and we're looking at ourselves and we're hard on ourselves and we're saying, I just can't ever do that. You need the opposite side of the equation, which is understand that your job is to bring him delight. He's not sitting up there going, oh, look at you, you screwed up again. Oh, look at you, Easton, you didn't do your homework. Uh, look at you, Jessica, you, you made a mistake this week, you didn't get it right. Look at you, you were, you were so rude to someone, you cut someone off, whatever. He's not, uh, this isn't the God we serve. He's looking at us and finding these moments of joy and delight as he sees our hunger for him, as he sees those moments where we surrender our will, as he sees us reach out to someone in love, like it's bringing them delight. Um, and I think we, we grow up, especially if you grow up in evangelical Bible teaching churches, we easily put a really heavy weight on ourselves. And it's right, because we're called to, to walk worthy of the Lord. But we don't want to elevate the standard of living in such a way that we're so beaten down by our failure to live up to the standard. Uh, and so we need to understand that we have to live in the delight of the Lord and this identity as his beloved. And that's what's going to transform the way we live. Uh, and that's what's going to bring him the most pleasure. So these two prayer requests go together. So he's saying, if you want to be a person that lives worthy of the Lord, if you want to be a person that brings delight to the Lord, how does it happen? It happens when you know God's will. The way to, to walk worthy of the Lord is to know his will. So you're praying, God, reveal your will to us as a community, because when we know those things, we'll be able to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Um, but how did he qualify? Um, I'm jumping back just a little bit. But how did he qualify the kind of knowledge that we're supposed to have? He said, um, we continually ask him that he'd give you knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. So it's spiritual revelation from God. We need the Spirit revealing as we come to the Word. We need the Spirit revealing as we're in conversation with one another. We need the Spirit revealing to us as we're looking at the brokenness of the world. And as he's giving us wisdom and understanding, we begin to comprehend the will of God. As we comprehend the will of God, we walk out into the world in a way that brings him pleasure, a way that's worthy of him. And, and, and when he's talking about worthiness, he's talking about like comparative merit. So you're looking at all, like, like it's almost like a grading scale, to be honest. You're, you're looking and he's going, you're worthy. Like you meet the requirements that make you pleasing to me. Um, and so he's putting a lot of emphasis here. It's spiritual revelation that leads to us acting in the right way. So he's doing both. He always does this. Paul's an expert at this. He puts the obligation on God to be revealing, and then he puts the responsibility on us to live the right way in response to that. You can't have one or the other. You always have to have them both. So the prayer that God would fill us with knowledge of his will individually and as a church so that we would be living in a way that's worthy of him and in a way that brings him great pleasure. So the rest of the prayer is actually him just kind of expanding this and trying to say, okay, live worthy of the Lord, live pleasing to him, but how? Right? I mean, 
That's the question I ask. I don't know about you. I'm like, I, I don't just know automatically how to live worthy. So, so he goes on and he starts breaking down these four elements of what it looks like to live worthy and live pleasing of the Lord. So, so let's look at these. Uh, so the first one, that we would walk worthy and, and be pleasing to God by bearing fruit. So what I'm hoping you're going to see, and, and this is the beautiful thing, Paul is consistent in his view of God in his view of the church, and in his view of mission. So with each of these letters that we're looking at that span the length of his ministry, you start seeing all the overlap in the vision that he has for the church. So we spent time last week, the last prayer request last week, that we would bear fruit. So he's, he's, he's rehashing this consistent theme that we're worthy to God and we're pleasing to him when we bear fruit in what? In every good work. So everything that we're doing out there in the world, from the spiritual work to what we would call the secular work that's not secular work because God is there and it's still sacred. Every aspect of our life, every work that we do, bearing fruit, we hammered that home last week. That we'd walk worthy and be pleasing to God by knowing Him. It says growing in the knowledge of God. We talked about that with Ephesians chapter 1, the prayer there that we would know God, that he would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we would know him better, that we would understand the hope that we've been called into, the riches of the inheritance in the future and the power that's available to us now. Um, the Ephesians 3 prayer that we would know the depth of his love. Um, so we walk worthy as we walk more in this knowledge of God. And again, it's not intellectual knowledge. It's deep, intimate experience of the God that loves us. The third one, we walk worthy and we please God by having endurance and patience. This is interesting. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and, and great patience. We talked about this in Ephesians 1 and in Ephesians 3, that he would strengthen us internally uh, to be able to act a particular way in the world, this inner movement of God. Uh, the thing I find fascinating here, as I read Paul's prayers, as I read Paul's words, you know when it comes to the empowering supernatural work of the Lord in your life, when Paul is talking, the primary way that is expressed is endurance and patience. That always comes before the miracles. Not that we don't have the miracles. The Spirit will work in our life and give revelation and He'll speak through us and He'll heal through us and He does incredible things. But the primary way Paul sees the supernatural empowerment of God at work in our life is the ability to endure and the ability to have patience, the ability to overcome relational division and experience love for one another. It's the primary miraculous movement that, that exists in our life. But let's look at these two words, actually, endurance and patience, because I think they're very applicable for the season that we're in right now. So the, the word endurance, uh, yeah, the word endurance or the word perseverance is one of my favorite Greek words, hupomene. Um, and so when you're in, uh, in John's gospel and it's, you know, abide in the Lord and you'll bear much fruit, that whole concept of like abiding and sticking in the Lord, that's the word many like to remain and to stick and, and to, part, like to, to be connected. And the word hypo or, or hypo, like if you're hypoglycemic, you have low blood sugar, it's, it's the idea of being under. Um, and so, so this word endurance, literally the two words come together, it's like under abiding. So remaining under your suffering. 
is, is what it means to endure. The, the definition, the ca capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances. Is there anyone in here that's like feeling the pressure of current difficult circumstances? <laughs> uh, so, so this being strengthened by the Holy Spirit inside to give you this capacity to bear up under difficult circumstances. The word patience, makruthmia. So macro is like far or long, and thumos is the word that's like wrath or anger or whatever. So in, to some degree, this is the word like where, where you get long suffering in King James, like the farness of your anger. Um, and and so, so in here, the word patience, it's, it, it's tied to this concept of long-suffering or, or thick-skinnedness. Um, but, but look at these definitions. The state of remaining tranquil while awaiting an outcome. Um, so, I mean, there's lots of outcomes that we're currently awaiting. But the second one, the state of emotional calm in the face of provocation and misfortune without complaint or irritation. So how do we walk worthy of the Lord? Endurance and patience. We walk worthy of the Lord and, and we're pleasing to Him when we can sit with emotional calm and tranquility, when we're being provoked, when we experience misfortune, and doing it without complaining and feel irritated about the people around about us. So, confession time. I'm not doing very good at this right now. <laughs> Between house hunting, pandemics, racial unrest, political unrest, like all the stuff that's going on, like I am guilty of some irritation. I may be guilty of some complaining. Um, just, just being real. <laughs> um, but, but part of this prayer, it's not just that we would have the endurance and patience, but what does he say? That we would be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. We need the supernatural, all-powerful might of the Lord at work inside of us to be able to give us the endurance and the patience that we need to carry through a season like this. And why does it matter? Because if you're irritated and complaining about the pandemic, about the race issues, about the election, about where we're at as a church, about the things that are going on in our life, we don't look any different from the world around about us. So what is our faith actually offering us? We need to be a church that has this patient tranquility in the midst of misfortune that causes the people around about us to say, how can you be so peaceful? You're sitting in a room with people that are challenging your political views, challenging your theology, like they're, they're just tearing you apart and you're just like full of love. How is that even possible? You're sitting in the middle of a pandemic. You are uh, immunocompromised. Like you could die from this and yet you seem to have so much peace. Where does that come from? Um, this supernatural endurance and patience that God is pouring into our hearts um, by His Spirit in His supernatural empowerment. So, walk worthy and please God by firstly bearing fruit, by secondly knowing Him intimately, three, by growing in endurance and patience, and then lastly, by giving thanks. And I just, I love this. I'm, I'm going to go off on a little rant here because this part is so awesome. Let, let me just read it. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So what are we supposed to be given thanks for? The work that God has done in our, in our life. What has he done? He has qualified you. 
What makes you worthy of Jesus? What makes you worthy of being the bearer of his name? What makes you worthy of the inheritance that you get in him? Not the works that you're doing, not, not your failures, not your ability to overcome your failures, not how much you serve, not how much you give, not how well you know the word. What qualifies you? He has qualified you. Like he did it. <laughs> okay, you don't seem as excited by that as I am. <laughs> He has qualified us. It's such an amazing thing. It doesn't reduce the work that we're supposed to do to live out that qualification, but he has given you the grade that you need. He's given you the certification that you need to have the inheritance that is coming to us. That is what we're given thanks for. It's amazing. What's the other part of it? Not only has he qualified us, but he's rescued us and then brought us or rescued us and transferred us. So what does he do? He rescues us from darkness and brings us into the kingdom of the son that you love. So we're over here living in the dominion of darkness, dead to Christ, spiritually dead, cut off. We live under the rule, the dominion and authority of darkness. The powers of evil rule over your life and have authority over you. And all of a sudden, you put your faith in Jesus, and what does he do? He, he rescues you from this, and, and the word brought, brought into is literally to transfer you, lift you from one place and bring it to the other place. So he transfers you from the dominion of darkness and brings you into the kingdom. So you're not sitting over here under the authority of darkness, you're standing here under the rulership of Christ. But what we tend to do is we live in the world and we're like, I'm in the kingdom of light, but hang on, I kind of like this little thing over here. I'm just going to go dabble here for a little bit. And then we go, why is God not helping me? Why is he not protecting me? Because you've stepped out under the authority of Jesus and placed yourself back under the dominion of darkness. So you want to experience freedom from the things that you're experiencing here. What do you do? You say, Jesus, thank you for rescuing me from that. I'm going to stand squarely in the kingdom of the son that you love. Now, there's two words in here that made me do happy dance. And I, I'm like, poor Monica, I'll be sitting, doing something, studying something, and she'll be there, and I'm like, you need to hear these words. And then I start explaining them, and she's like, oh, I'm glad you're happy. Uh, so so now, now you get to have them, because, because I think this, this is pretty cool. So sometimes when Paul is writing and he's using synonyms, the synonyms he's using are just a poetic device, a literary device to kind of exaggerate his point. Sometimes the words he's using have nuances that he's really trying to distinguish between. And so when he's talking about the dominion of darkness, he's talking about exousia, which is the word, just the, the generic word for authority. So if you look up the definition of authority, it's the right to control or to govern over. So we were in the dominion of darkness, which means the power of darkness had the right to govern and control you. We were in a place where Satan and demonic forces had the right to control you. But then it says you're brought from there into the kingdom, Basileia, the kingdom of the son that you love. This word, look at the definition up here. It's the district ruled by a king with the implication of complete, complete authority and the possibility of being able to pass on the right to rule to one's son or near kin. So you're brought from this place where you have no control and no future, where darkness rules over you, and you're brought into this place under the complete rule and authority of Jesus with 
his ability to take that authority and give you rulership and ownership in the kingdom. Future, hope, destiny, power, and the ability to impact the world. So it's not just dark to light. I was in the darkness and now I'm in the light. It's like you were powerless and controlled by forces outside of you. And now you're in this place under the complete control of Jesus where he is giving you the ability to exercise that and extend that into the world. One of the parts that in my upbringing in the church that I didn't hear until much later on in my journey is that our Christian experience, God is training us to rule in the new heaven and new earth. He's training us to govern with him over this new creation. And so a lot of the process we're in is him helping us shed our sin and selfishness uh, and be transformed to, to look and act and bear the fruit of Jesus so that we can rule with wisdom and with power, so that we can uh, know how to submit to his way and, and exercise that in the lives of other people so that we know how to hear his voice, his will, his desire, and speak it over the people around about us. He's training us to rule with him. And these two words show us that, that he's taken us from this place of powerlessness, controlled by darkness, into a place of potential, where he's looking at us as his sons and daughters, and he's ready to pass on to us the, the keys to ruling in his kingdom. And, that, and, and that's the kingdom we're in now, where, where we stand in this world with Jesus having brought his kingdom here, and we get to go out into the world and extend his rule into the places where we are. So in your family, you get to choose by the way you interact with Jesus, you get to choose to extend the reign of Jesus in your family. Any place in your life where you have authority, you go into a workplace, the people that you are responsible for, the people that you train, the people on your team, you have the ability to exercise and expand the kingdom of God into that workplace so that they get to experience the fruit of life in his kingdom. I think this is amazing. This is what we're supposed to be given thanks for, but again, here's the issue. We are transferred from there to here and if we lived with our eyes fixed on Jesus the way we're supposed to, if we lived fully surrendered to him, there is so much power available to us uh, to see God do the things that we want to see him do. But what we tend to do is we sit here, and rather than enduring and, and having patience, we start getting critical and irritated. And we just kind of stick a little foot over here, and we say, you know, I'm going to give, what, what does Paul call it? Giving a foothold. You're over here giving a foothold to the powers of darkness. Say, and and he, the, the powers of darkness are inside you going, just feeling that little irritation. Let's just keep being critical. Let's just keep spotting all the things that that person's posting on Facebook that makes me just detest them. And, and now I'm going to wish bad for them. Oh, I hope they get that and it, it does that to their life. That's what they deserve. And it's like, this is why I'm saying knowing God's will is partly about being able to discern our own voice. It's partly about being able to understand that the powers of darkness at work in us, that we can hear them and say, that voice is not the voice of the Lord. That's coming from somewhere else. It's either my own thought process or it's the dominion of darkness. If I've got foot in there, I don't want any foot in there. I'm going to stand firmly in the kingdom of the son that he loves. And what is it he says that's there? It goes back to this whole walk worthy or live pleasing. Is it walk worthy and put a heavy load on yourself and try really, really hard to, to live up to the standard? 
Is it that you're already pleasing to him and trying to live this out? What is it in this kingdom? You've been brought out of the control of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves where there's redemption and forgiveness. The slate has been wiped clean. Your sin is no more. You have freedom in this place to live and to walk. And then we get to carry that into the relationships that we're in and offer hope, offer forgiveness, offer grace, offer empowerment to the people that God has placed around us. So, so when this prayer starts with this, this simple prayer that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will, it's like, okay, okay, it's cool, let's pray that. But as he goes on, what's the purpose? That we would walk worthy, that we'd bring, bring pleasure to this God that we serve. And then these four arenas of what it looks like, we would be people bearing fruit. We would be people growing in intimate knowledge with him. That we would be increasing in our ability to put up with the hard things in life. The criticism, the attacks, the bitterness, the global pandemics. And we'd have this joyful, patient posture in the middle of it and then we'd walk forward as people who give thanks because we're fully aware of the work that he's done in our life canceling the power here later on in colossians he actually says that he disarmed the powers of darkness by triumphing over them at the cross and made a public spectacle of them so it was like he completely wiped out their power and then put it on display for us to see how ridiculous they now look. That's, that's the, the power that we're walking in. We're supposed to be looking at that, understanding this transferal, understanding the power and the privilege we now have. And it leads to this posture of thanks. I may have mentioned this verse before, but First um, Thessalonians 5, uh, verse 16 and 17, these beautiful little verses, rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. A life of thanksgiving is the will of God for us. And it's one of the things that, that makes us worthy and pleasing as, as we live with him. So pretty incredible truths in there. And again, ask the question, like, if we were to live this as a church, like as individuals, as a church community, if we grew in the knowledge of his will, if we could figure out together how to come to his word, how to come together, how to honor what God has done through history and understand his will and his heart for us and for this community, what would that do for us? If we could grasp the, the need to walk worthily, if we could grasp the fact that our lives have the ability to bring delight to God, we already do bring him delight, but as we walk in the world, we can bring more delight to the Lord. How does that impact the way we function, the way we worship, the way we encounter scripture, the way we share with the people around about us? If we can be a church that has those things, that we're bearing fruit, that we're growing in intimacy, that we have endurance and patience and we're marked by thanksgiving, what do you think the people out there would say as they look to our lives and the community and how we function together? Like this vision that Paul has for the church is phenomenal. It's transformative and it is the way that Jesus wants to transform this world. Um, so the invitation again, I, I, I want to, to have us, just, just remind us of this every week. I don't know if you're joining us in this process. Take the passage, write it down. Um, if you're at home, circle it in your Bible, print it out. 
And take this passage, pray it over yourself, over your family, over the business that you run, pray it over this church, pray over the church in Portland, um, that, that this would be true of us, a church marked by God's will that's pleasing to him. And take time, again, look at yourself. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Um, look inside, what are the ways that, that, that your, uh, your brokenness hinders the way God wants to operate these things in your life. Maybe it's the sin issues that you're engaged in deliberately that are, are, are a failure to walk worthy in the way of the Lord, and we've got to deal with those. Maybe it's the, the low self-esteem and, and the beating herself up, and we need to understand that he's called us and that he's qualified us and that he's rescued us and that we're pleasing to him. And maybe we need to reject the lies that we've been speaking over ourselves and start praying these truths over our life. If we can do this, we will be transformed. Um, I want to, I'm going to pray um, this passage as a blessing over us. Um, and then I want to do a, a little prayer exercise um, as, uh, before we go into worship. So, so if you just bow your head for a moment, um, this is, a, this is a, a prayerful blessing. So I would encourage you to open your hands in the posture of receiving. And I, I find with this stuff, I, I, I like to visualize so I want you to imagine God just has a big bowl of blessing and he's pouring it into your hands. You just want to catch as much of it as you can. May God fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you and we may live lives worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. May you bear fruit in every good work. May you grow in intimate knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all of his power to have great endurance and patience. And may you give joyful thanks to the Father, for he qualified you for the inheritance that you have. He's rescued you from the power of darkness and placed you into the kingdom of his Son, where there's redemption and forgiveness. God, may you bless us and help us to walk in this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want us to pray together as we've been doing each week. Um, but I know some people are less comfortable praying out loud. So just by way of engaging prayer slightly differently, there's some little uh, three by five cards on your table. So I want you to grab a three by five card. If you're watching at home, grab any piece of paper ready to write. Um, and I want you to take this prayer. Pray that we would know God's will. Pray that we would live worthy and please him. And I want you to write out a prayer um, that you're gonna leave for me to read. Um, so it doesn't need to be fancy. It can be super simple, but I want you to write out your prayer, um, praying this over, over this church, over this community. Um, and I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. And then after that, I, I'm going to invite a couple of people just to pray aloud what they've written down. Um, so if you write it down, uh, when the service is done, you can just leave it on the table. Um, and I'm going to collect them and, and, and read them and, and join you in praying these things over the church. So yeah, take a little minute, write it down, and then we'll have a, a, a chance to share.
So I'd love to have a few people pray, whether you read what's on the card or if you just want to pray. Um, I would love to have it. I'm trying to do better at helping out the people who are at home uh, watching. So I would love... Um, I'm going to give you the mic so they can hear at home. Easton, can you run this to people? Thanks, bud. So yeah, if you... If you're willing to pray or, or, or share what was on your heart, on, on your card, if you just stand up or wave your hand, he'll run over. And... Um. Father, we thank you that you're so good. Um, I thank you, Jesus, that you have qualified us. Um, God, may we be a church that um, just understands uh, how loved and accepted we are. I thank you, God, um, just for Scotty highlighting that it's not by what we do or what we don't do, um, but that it's you who rescued us and have brought us into the place of sonship. Um, and God, I ask that you would help us to grow in acceptance of your love and um, understanding the knowledge of your goodness and your care for us, um, that as a church, Lord, you would give us more revelation of your love uh, for us, that we could um, respond and um, operate in a way that is worthy of the calling that we've received, that you've given us. Um, and Father, we ask for guidance that you would um, help us to understand, to discern, and to know your will as a church um, and as individuals here in community. Father, thank you. Father, thank you that um, we stand in this place of your kingdom, of this glorious light, and that you pass on that authority and that power uh, to us, that you empower us to walk according to your ways and to bear the image of Jesus in the world. So Lord, I ask that you would help us in these difficult days um, in this year of 2020 as we continue to move forward into the unknown that we would be those who are able to endure who are able to be um, long-suffering as you are long-suffering that there would be a hope and a joy and a peace uh, that flows out of us that is different from the world and that in doing so that people would would be curious that they would ask questions that they would wonder at this strange existence uh, in a way that that draws them to you and to the knowledge of you Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. My prayer is that Alliance Bible Church will be a beacon of light in the community. 
I pray that people will see this as a place of healing, a place of forgiveness, a place where they can have a family. And Father, as you look down upon this church, I pray that you will be pleased with what you see. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I just thank you for the work that you've been doing in this church. Um, and Lord, we know you have a plan. And I just pray that you would help us as a community to uh, grow deeper in our knowledge of you and your will, that we would have patience as you know, our own, many of our own plans have been put on hold. And, but Lord, more than just patience, I pray that we would still have eyes open to um, the opportunities that we have even now and that you have um, put before us so that we can be a church that bears fruit for you. God, thank you that we live in a city where you are at work. Thank you for all of the movements that happen throughout Portland. I think of Together PDX and the work of all these churches coming together to bring you glory, Lord. I think of, of the, the movements that I don't know so well, um, where I hear all the time these gatherings of pastors from diverse churches that pray together and partner in ministry. Lord, thank you that you are moving in this city. Thank you that you are stirring something special that the rest of the world is looking at um, with curiosity. So God, would you continue to give us corporately um, as the church of the Portland metro area, give us knowledge of your will. Uh, help us together to walk worthy and, and to, to bring you delight. Help us to bear fruit, uh, to know you deeply, um, to endure and be patient and loving toward one another and help us uh, to be a, a citywide church marked by thanksgiving for the work that you've done in us, rescuing us from darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of, of the Son that you love. Lord, we love you, we delight in you, and we're so thankful that we don't do this without you. In Jesus' name.